Behind every moral failure, every fall, every church catastrophe, the media might pick it up and you'll see it on the headline news, but you have to know that behind the scenes and behind what's going on is there is a group of leaders who are in a room late at night and they're trying to figure out what to do about that situation. They're trying to figure out how to communicate it. What are we going to do? How are we going to care for those who have been hurt in that situation? And it's a really difficult spot to be in. We had a conversation with Dr. Dee Dee Meyer, and she is at Pepperdine and part of the Boone Center for the Family. And she has spent a considerable amount of time at looking at these elder boards and board governance in general, and how do we do this better in the church? And what I learned and what I loved about Dee Dee um, over the course of this conversation was that she actually became interested in this topic after reading the open letters that had been released from elder boards in some of these churches that had had these major falling outs. And instead of reading the letters and being horrified and uh, you know, having a sense of condemnation, what stirred in her was a sense of compassion for these leaders that are in this position of making these very difficult decisions and um, and a sense of like, man, I wonder if there's something we can do to help. So she dug in, she got her dissertation and did a lot of that work and really surrounding this idea of essential conversations that we need to be having around board governance. So I want you to listen, take this in. If you're in a place of leading or you are part of an elder board or any kind of board, really this conversation is going to get you to ask some questions that, that need to be present in this process so that we're not reacting, but we're actually proactively looking at what is God calling us to so that we can make the bride into the beautiful, spotless, radiant thing that God has intended for her to be all along. And we know that she will be in the end. This is the Life After Ministry podcast. All right, welcome to the Life After Ministry podcast. We are here with Dee Dee Meyer from the Boone Center for the Family. Hello, Dee Dee. Hello, it's good to be with you. Yes, um, we're going to get right into it. And what we want to talk about is the people who are running the church. And I know there's lots of different systems, denominations, but uh, more often than not, there's an elder board or board governance. And um, we we see that as we look at these people, uh, Sometimes there is a system, there's a way to get in, and sometimes it's, hey, you're my buddy, you're my friend, and let's. Uh, I want you to hang out at a meeting with me once a month. Um, but you have become very uh, laser-focused and directed a lot of your life in the last couple of years to how do we look at board governance within the church? Um, what got you into that to begin with? Wow, um, it's a great question. So... Um, in my doctoral program, uh, I really began to, well, first, my heart just was broken over leadership failure within the church, just not only in our nation, but across the globe. And um, I'd known a couple of the big names uh, and churches that had experienced some fallen ministries, you know, whether it's Bill Hybels or Robbie Zacharias or whatever, literally just broke my heart. Um, and as it broke my heart, I began to think about the families of these pastors, um, the burden that our pastors carry within ministry, um, how isolating and, and lonely it can be leading in ministry. Um, and so that was just the trajectory. I love the church. I'm passionate. I've served in ministry. I know the unique rigors as an, as, and as a therapist who works with a lot of pastors, 
I understand the burden that they carry. And so my heart was just broken for not only the pastors, but when they fall, their whole family is impacted and they carry the weight of that fall. I mean, no pastor ever falls alone. There's a systemic a system that holds and that tends to know about the failures. And so I had a professor just sort of say, hey, narrow down, who are you writing your doctoral project to? Um, and as I began to research, I started to read the open letters from the board at the churches that had major crises, because there are a lot of open letters. They have written public letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read their words. And it gave me a compassion for the weight uh, of what it is to hold uh, as a governing board member, like how much you're holding and um, the authority that's been given that I don't think a lot of governing boards hold well, not because they're not capable of it, but because very little training and preparation goes into the construction of an elder board. Typically, an elder board is made up of people who are not uh, in actual vocational ministry. So their understanding of the work and the people that they're holding and the jobs that they're doing, they just don't have a natural understanding of it. And they're, they're so they're business people most of the time, they're, right? They're business people. They have um, success in industry. Uh, and so their understanding of what a pastor might be carrying. And so I began to look at how does a governing board support wellness in pastoral leadership? And as I began to study it, I had pastors and their wives literally tearfully say, please don't stop doing this research. It is so desperately needed because there's such a disconnect between the elder board and how we feel um, as those trying to hold pastoral ministry and church ministry. And so that's really what drove me uh, to study it um, is my heart broke. My heart broke for the leaders that were impacted. And I felt like this was an untapped conversation that really we're not talking about the system that's a problem. When a leader falls, we just get another leader. But we're not talking about the system that tolerated. And in every open letter from the board, there was ownership. We missed something important. Hmm. And, And I get that. And it was probably really hard to write. But let's not miss it again. Like we can do some stuff to be better equipped to manage the things that come across the governing board table. So why, why is there not a system for that? Like why, why do churches not make that a priority or do you think it's just a, I don't, I don't think it's a lack of care. I just think it's probably a lack of know-how and you probably have pastors who are bringing in the elders who just don't even have the bandwidth themselves to be able to like take on another thing to train them. Oh yeah. Well, you look at, you know, one of the things that kind of drew me, in was I started to look at the resources available to governing boards to help them do the job they're doing and to know how to do it well. And there's just a vacuum. There's just not much there for them to rely upon. Um, So there's more. Thankfully, there are some groups that are doing some good work starting now, but um, really there's not been a lot of good conversations. And then we've structured things. We just do what we've always done. And so a lot of times we're bringing in members of the governing board to accomplish purposes like, gosh, I need somebody who understands insurance or I need somebody who understands law or I need somebody who's well connected and can help us get resources 
right? And so we're thinking really pragmatically about the purposes that an elder board can serve, and we're not really thinking about the authority given within a biblical structure to the board. We've kind of moved away from the heart, the maturity, the discernment, the discipleship, and what needs to happen so that we're equipped and and basically selecting board members based on spiritual maturity, wisdom that they can offer to help the church do the work of the church in a world that we live in today. I think it's interesting that you say that because I think that we we judge our elders to be qualified almost by like worldly standards, like what you said. They're successful in business or there's something practical that they have to offer rather than maybe focusing on like the spiritual qualifications or even the like relational qualifications. Um, and maybe there's a lack of awareness of how much that is part of the job is understanding yeah. people. I don't. Yeah. And I think there's a double mindedness. I mean, quite frankly, and, and I just think we need to own that. Like we're saying we want character, we want integrity, we want relationship, we want maturity, but we're selecting the stuff that actually grows our church ministry. Like the way we're actually deciding to measure success is how many people are in the room, are our ministries growing, are we expanding our buildings? Like what are we measuring success by? Because we're going to make decisions by how we're measuring the success of the church and and the ministry. And so really getting honest about is what we're saying actually what we're doing. One example of this that I see all the time is, you know, elder boards have a huge responsibility to prayer. But in the, in the board meetings that I've been a part of and the boards that I've been a part of, we might give a devotion and a quick prayer in the beginning, but are we really devoted to fasting and prayer over the issues and the conversations that we're needing to have? Um, they, they pray so, at the end also, Didi. There's also the prayer at the end. Sometimes. But <laughs> yes, we might bookend ourselves. That's right. Yes. Yeah. But are we devoted and led by a reliance on God to hold his body, the church, and to lead and guide us to his views of what's most important. And that's really hard to do, especially for people that are from secular industry, because we're coming from an industry where everything is measured by worldly success. So I just think we need to hold and have the conversation and be honest with ourselves about the tensions we're going to exist in, because we do need to keep the lights on at the church, right? We do need to be able to pay well the people that are providing ministry. I mean, I, I, I don't think, I think there's a healthy movement towards pastors being able to survive with their families on an income. So there's healthy conversations that we need to have. But balancing and holding that is something that we need to do in alignment with the spirit. And we we look at the elder board almost like a Mission Impossible team. Like, where do we have some weaknesses? And I, I remember, I, I know somebody talks about the four chairs, and you have the worker chair, the wealth chair, the woo chair, and the <laughs> wisdom chair. And right. you know, oftentimes the pastor is showing up as the worker, right? They, they're doing the work, but you know, if we if we need more people to show up to the church, then we gotta get the woo person in there. But I, I remember having elders who would come to me who were nominated in the process at the church, and they would they would call me into the office and they say, "I got nominated for this thing. I just don't know if I'm qualified." Like, do you? It says that I have to teach, like, and they want me to tell them, "No, oh, you don't have to teach. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Just show up to the meetings." Um, but that that gateway in um, with with people who are insecure about entering into it, and maybe they should be, but there's also this like there, there's it, it, I I don't know if it 
it's a status or a prominence thing. But we look at the entrance into being an elder as this is an opportunity to do something and to serve my church well. But we don't necessarily see like there there could be some really hard, really difficult times. You get to see behind the scenes and how the sausage is made. And it's not always pretty. Um, and I don't know if we've prepared people on, on the way in, in that onboarding process uh, to be really successful, to be able to last and to be able to make the decisions necessary to have good good things happen in the church. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you a question. Have you been on some boards? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. So how many times have you had with clarity the role you're supposed to play when you step in? No, it's, it's a, it's a position piece. It's, it's a, I, I have wisdom or I can help them in some way is why I'm on a board. Right. So, so I think, you know, in, in, in the work, I, I wrote nine best practices. I, I would like to call them nine essential conversations yes. for us to be able to engage um, as we're thinking about becoming a board that can rightfully hold the authority that we are entrusted with by both God and the church to hold well and be equipped for um, some of the things that cross the elder board, man, none of us are equipped for, right? right? And that's just the reality of ministry. We hold things that are humanly impossible. Like we weren't designed to hold the brokenness that we sometimes hold within ministry contexts. Um, and I and I say that, you know, we landed at um, the Sister Church for Covenant Church in Tennessee the day after the shooting. You know, nobody's designed to hold. They were doing six of the funeral services. Now, no pastor mm-hmm. has... In his own humanness, the capacity to hold what he's being asked to hold. And by the grace of God, we have a Holy Spirit that equips us. So recognizing and beginning to to have conversations that first help us, we got to choose predominantly spiritual maturity. Let me just say spiritual maturity is a key part of playing any role, because if I am not spiritually mature and continuing to work on maintaining and growing in my spiritual maturity, then I, no matter what I do, I'll, I'll, I'll falter in being equipped. But really structuring, what does it mean? What are the values, the core values that are going to be drivers and naming some of those so that then I can begin to choose and select members of the board? I have, I have a different lens that I'm looking through when I am saying, what do we need? What's the spiritual gift we need? on this board to give us a balance of spiritual giftings so that we can um, come together relying on the Lord to help us hold the authority we've been given. And then, you know, how do we onboard or what are, what is the training we're giving to people so that they understand Mm -hmm. what is our culture? How do we manage disagreement? How do we handle the hard stuff? How do we create safe place for disagreement? One of the most toxic and unhealthy things we do on Christian boards, we're real nice. We like to be nice. And so we are going to pursue unity in all things. Um, But iron sharpening always has some sparks attached. We like to say iron sharpens iron. It's a fun thing to say, but it's actually a really hard thing to live into. And within boards, we need to create healthy ways to navigate conflict and to say, I don't know that that's the right way to go. And so how are we going to sort through and lay out what is the crisis we're navigating and so what are the steps we're going to take and how are we going to listen to one another from different perspectives counter or disagree or struggle through 
Can um, you give us a, a list or like a bullet point of what those nine conversations are that you see that churches should be having or, yeah. need, oh, or yeah, absolutely. need to be having? Yeah. So my first three I've kind of just described is number one, what are your, the first three are really, how do you construct a governing board okay. that has the capacity to do it? And one is define your culture, create co- policies and practices, a, a document, right? Um, now documents can just go in drawers and be forgotten, but what are your traditions that are going to help you retain uh, your culture and what are you actively doing? So it calls out some of the things we've talked about, like we don't just say we're going to pray and prioritize prayer. Here's how that gets executed in the way we interact with one another. The second is how are, what are the guiding principles for recruitment for new governing board members? Um, and uh, do we have a process and an application um, so that we're doing our due diligence and looking for the right things that align with our culture. And second is what are we doing to help onboard and make sure that people who are stepping on understand their role within the board. Every board member has an essential role and a responsibility um, to be able to engage that. The next two practices are really looking at how do we think about our leadership and maintaining healthy leadership. And so the first is, We might say we want a leader with character and integrity, but are we actively, what what demonstrates that we are actively looking for that? A lot of churches will communicate that's what we want, but the predominant measurements, we're looking for charisma. Do you have the ability to build our church? They come into some of those competing values. Mm -hmm. So really naming the values and saying, how are we protecting that what we're doing is actually in alignment with those values? And then the, the, the next is really how do we keep a leader healthy and safe? And so I have a couple different tools. How do I know when a pastor's doing well? How do I engage a conversation and a, and a partnership with a pastor so that, I, that we're having honest conversations about are you taking care of your needs? Are you growing spiritually? Are you maturing? How's your family? Because we can say the boards often say family comes first. But every pastor I have ever heard yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to be there for your congregation. So you got to do that funeral. You got to do that marriage. You got to show up for these are the things you got to show up for. So our expectation is a lot different than what we're communicating. Right? Family isn't a priority and it's really left on the pastor. The other thing that I see happening is that boards really tap onto the pastor. You have it all on your shoulders. You got to be everything to all people as the lead pastor. And and our pastors are buckling under that pressure and that responsibility. And boards are just sort of rescinding some of their responsibility, kind of because they feel a little out of their depth, right? And some of these other things are going to help that if I know what my expectation is. Uh, and a lot of boards don't have checks and balances for when information, when a complaint comes from a congregant. What do I do with that as a board member? When my best friend comes to a dinner party and says, I'm really unhappy with this as a church, at the church, you're a board member. Can you fix this? What Mm. do I do with those things? Hmm. Right? Those mess up and cause so much damage within the church. So the last three are really board practices that can protect. So one is like basically creating systems of accountability how do you engage? Uh, what's confidentiality? How do you um, 
what do you have say in and what does the pastor have say in and what is ministry? So really defining roles and responsibilities and where the board has say and where the pastor has full responsibility so that that's clear. The second is what are your rules and how, what is your system of reporting when someone has concerns, both in protection of the pastor and also holding the pastor accountable and protecting the ministry. So what is your system of navigating the responses and um, criticisms or concerns that are being brought up or allegations of impropriety that are being brought up? You know, and then the last is, is um, how do you manage a leader that's outgrown their depth or a difficult leader? You look at some of these like Mark Driscoll and Bill Hybels and you read the letters from the board. These are not easy men to manage. So how do you manage the really great guy that doesn't have the spiritual gifting to take the church to the next level? And how do you handle, and this is where pastoral transitions comes into play. And how do you handle a leader that refuses to be led well? Um, that's grown a big ministry in a short time and just isn't listening to the to basically what the board is asking of them or won't submit to the checks and balances that they're putting in place. So that's my nine best practices. There could be a lot more, but uh, have, you, have you come across elders at, in interviewing people that have felt like their church was leading or the elders were leading well and that they had a good sense of some of the things that you're talking about? Or would you say overall, most elders feel like they're kind of floundering within? I think we have some great, I think we have some great boards that are working really hard on these things within the church. Mm -hmm. There are so many boards that are prioritizing. I know the church, my church, um, there's such a priority on leadership. There's a two-year process for coming on as a board member where you're reading the same books and you're aligning with the same conversations you're studying you know as issues of culture come up there's responsibility so i think there are lots of churches that are really working hard to do this well i do think a lot of people just don't know what they're allowed to say or what they're not allowed to say within a boardroom sometimes i mean you guys would know too i mean you're in your experience yeah what but, do you have to add Matt? Yeah, well, yeah I, I think I think there's a lot of um, people who are they're, they're serving in a role in a capacity um, but not exactly sure I, I I think that what I see is a lot of reactivity rather than proactivity oh yeah right so we are the board exists to manage the budget um, to make sure that we are financially accountable. Um, and then we will react to absolutely everything else. And it, it really is hard to get a lot done in a two to six hour meeting, right? Unfortunately, these start at seven o'clock at night and go to midnight, depending on, you know, who, who's volleying for what. But a lot of those times we have the standard business pieces of it. And then beyond that, it's reacting to, well, how are we going to fix the HVAC and, and the roof? Um, what are we going to do about the volume and the temperature? Are we going to wear masks? Like all these things that we've had to even wrestle with acutely in the last chunk of time, but we're not, we're, you know, or it, I, I almost wanted to say like, uh, how are we moving the church forward? And oftentimes what that looks like, unfortunately, is the building campaign, right? Like it, rather than like a, a spiritual, um, what, what is God bringing the church and, and we're part of the big church? Like what, what is our role in spiritually moving this body of believers, right? I, I think of like eldership in terms of like Moses in the 70. And, Absolutely. Right? It's not like, let's build a 
bigger tabernacle. Um, let's, but th- there's something spiritually that God has to be at the center, and let's pay attention to the fire that's in the middle of the camp. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and 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 I think you know the tyranny, the urgent, really. Um, when you're not as established to manage and to know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna carry some things that we're all gonna feel mm. uh, ill-equipped to manage. Yep. Um, I think when we can name those conversations and recognize the work we're doing can be really disorienting as an elder board. It's not an easy job, uh, right. and it and it can be really really difficult to hold both. How do we help this pastor and create safety for our pastoral team um, and wellness there? And at the same time, do the work of creating healthy ministry on this campus and, and governing that well, holding holding that space well. Now, you've said a word here, and I've, I've, I've been counting. It's 29 times. I'm just kidding. It's not. I haven't <laughs> oh been counting. Gosh. I haven't been counting. But you've said this word so much that I'm interested now. You've said the word hold or holding. And I'm thinking of like a container. Um, and and so there, there, can you unpack like what you mean by that word and the role of the board in holding whatever it is that they're holding? Man. Okay. Well, that's a really good question that nobody's ever asked me. So I'm going to do my best to try to unpack it. We we hit things Uh, real hard here on life after your podcast. So, you know, man, Christ's bride is holy. It is holy. Holy and he cares about his church so desperately. And so um, recognizing we're holding something so sacred and that matters so much to God and there is deep responsibility. And so when I think about and have these conversations, I think about that, this verse, you know, um, you know, approach with fear and trembling, all some of these things with fear and trembling. Like, I think that that's a, an appropriate response to taking a position as a member of a, a board of elders, that in deep humility and maturity, we step in and we recognize that what we're holding isn't ours. I, th- I kind of think about, you know, when you, when you have kids and you just sort of get this impression, I am, I am holding and trying to launch these beings into the best that they're capable of. And I am not the designer of all their personality and giftings. God's the designer and I am the steward. And my whole desire is that they will launch and become all that God has created them to be and that I will do the least damage that I can to that process. And I think it's very similar as an, as an elder board, as a healthy member of an elder board, I don't think we recognize the accountability we have, the responsibility that God is entrusting us with, the value that this body that, of the church that they're holding and how meaning, meaningful it is to the Lord. Um, and I think we need to hold that in a different space and recognize before we step in I, I do think there is a fear in traveling and recognizing, man, if I don't do this right, this impacts more than just me. Like I've got pastors and their families. Mm-hmm. When, you know, you look at, and I know pastor transitions, you know, you're talking about the transitioning pastor. There is more church hurt that happens when boards make decisions that do damage. I, I have pastors that have left the church altogether and their relationship with Jesus is a result of how they've been treated 
by a board and how their transition out of ministry happened, whether a board decided it was time for them to retire or whether a board just decided they were ineffective in ministry. And so without conversation, moved them out and without care for the impact it had on their life and their ministry and their family. Um, And then the impact it has on these congregants who are watching the flock, who is watching um, and unaware. So that's what I'm talking about is really recognizing what we're being asked to hold when we step into a role like that, that it isn't really about prestige. It's about responsibility Um, and and holding well the authority we are being given Mm. for the work that we're being called to. Does that answer your question? Oh yeah, no, that's awesome. It was great. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that we've talked about before is that if the church is really the design of the church is, is supposed to be a place to heal rather than a place to heal from. And, and if we, if we can do this part better and it's, you, you, you are not a, a vocational pastor. You've, we've talked about, you've been in ministry um, Mm -hmm. and in lay ministry and women's groups and other pieces, but we're working with people who are coming out of ministry. And, you know, it, some, some people don't understand why we would have a conversation about elders. Um, but that really, like if, if, if we're looking at who is it that we're trying to have conversations with, with pastoral transitions, it's the leadership of the church, which is oftentimes the senior pastor or the executive pastor. And it's also the elder board. And believe it or not, there are no elder conferences that we could find. Um, they don't yeah. exist, right? So there are just no spaces for elders to come and learn how to be elders. And I don't, there's probably too many de- denominational divides. It's one of the reasons we started the Facebook group, the Elder Hub, just for people to come gather and they can ask their questions yeah. anonymously. But um, that that is that is so crucial um, for us to be able to understand and to equip this group of people um, going forward. So that's why we're looking, there would be less need for pastoral transitions on the healing side of things. We think that there's some, you know, worthwhile as far as career and let's talk about where Jesus is at, but um, how do we stop the hurt before the hurt happens? And I think that that starts in the boardroom um, before these decisions are being made. Yeah. And I, and I found, I agree with you. It's an untapped part of the systemic church. And we tend to focus when there's a problem, we tend to focus on the leader and we just replace the leader, but we don't focus on the culture that fed that leader or tolerated that leader or chose that leader. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got to get to the core of that system. And so my research said that was really an untapped space. Didi, if somebody wants to get in touch with your work and follow uh, what you are doing, where are some of those places they can go? Yeah, just go to the Boone Center for the Family at Pepperdine University. You can get a hold of me there. Or uh, in my practice, restoringhope.net is a place that you can find me. Good. Well, our anticipation is that we'll have a lot more time with you and get to partner with what you're doing. We love what you're doing. We're thankful that you are bringing help and unity uh, to the church in a place that we, we just, we don't even know what to do with it. And so I'm so thankful for yeah. you and the conversations that we've been having lately. Well, thanks for having me. It was great to be here. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Life After Ministry podcast. If you are navigating a ministry transition or you're in a ministry leadership role and you see a change on the horizon, 
The worst thing you could do is do this alone. We have two Facebook groups that are designed just for you. One is called Life After Ministry, and it's a group that offers community and support for those who are in transition. The other one is called The Elder Hub, and it's a resource center for ministry leaders. These communities are designed to give you insight, advice, and answers for your questions. We also have pastoraltransitions.com, and there you'll find articles on everything from messaging transition from the pulpit to what does it actually look like to become a community known by our love in every season. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. Your support helps us extend our reach and communicate this message. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Shalom.